campers hello i'm spike i'm chris and we are geeking out more or less more or less the holidays are upon us and boy they're coming and going and going and coming and just all over everything goodness gracious we actually recorded an episode two weeks ago silly me i tried a new webcam to see if we could if it would do us any good it didn't so the actually the the cam part worked just fine but the Good old audio problems all over again. The microphone was crap. So we're back to doing what we normally do. So yeah. so we, it is the end of the year. We're recording on December 31st, 2023. The beloved wife and I are celebrating our 31st anniversary. Yes, I'm that old. And 2023, good riddance. It has been a long, long year. Especially for us, trying to sit here and watch crap movies and garbage movies and maybe three good movies all year. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I mean, honestly, there's been more than three good ones, but it sure doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's been a long, long slog all year between movies and television and streaming and books. And the comic book industry is pretty much dead in this country now. So Yeah, yeah it's sad. <sighs> so we'll be we'll be looking back at some of the movies of 2023 because that's what everybody does. But uh, do we want to do that as a separate episode of its own? Over because we haven't done a back rack video in ages. Do we do that as a separate back rack video, or do we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about? Uh, good question. Really have nothing to talk about. I know there's stuff okay. that happened in the news, but I just wrote down like a bunch of movies. So, that came out over the years. And okay. I know there's some that you haven't seen, or that you there's have many, seen many that I haven't seen. seen. Well, yeah, that's that's actually been a, a strange thing for 2023 because uh, I actually am seeing some movies that you're not. So that's that's, that's rather true. unusual because he's the movie geek, and I'm the annoying guy who sits there and throws brick bats at everybody who's not doing a very good job of telling their stories. So we'll just make this. We'll just do a quick 2023 uh, thing because there is stuff happening in pop culture, but quite frankly, I'm not in the mood for any of it right now. So we'll talk about the the best and worst and of uh, the movies of 2023. Yes. Do so, you want to talk about the movies that you have seen? That uh... I do want to. I do want to bring up three in particular that really stood out because they've. They've actually managed to resist the trend of messaging because, let's be honest, a lot of the movies we look at now nowadays, and we spend all year saying this, they don't tell stories. They're propaganda. All they do is they just push a message, push a message, push a message, and every all the storytelling, character development goes gets jettisoned out of airlock somewhere if we can sit here and focus some more on the message. Uh, diversity, equity, 
imperiality, impartiality, whatever the I stands for, inclusivity, whatever it is. DIE is the way I call it in the BLM and the LGQBLT and the AEIOU and all the other stuff, and the EIEIO. But, but there you can go on and on. Uh, and I will <laughs> go on and on. But I do, I do want to pick out three movies in particular. This is dangerous to do on YouTube, by the way. I do want to pick out three movies in particular. That's why I do this. Pick out three movies in particular that really stood out to me this year. In third place, I want to go, and I'm going to do this from third best to second best to first best. Third best movie I've seen this year, Top Gun Maverick. Okay, That was the one that kind of caught everybody by surprise because they thought, it's been a crap year. This came out right around Memorial Day, I think. It's been a crap year. Everybody's tired. We don't want to deal with it. Actually, I think it came out closer to 4th of July because another movie came out around Memorial Day. And everybody was just like, oh, it's another remake. Or it's another sequel of a tired old sequel of another tired old franchise. Because we have seen Star Wars driven right into the ground. Star Trek has basically it's not even dead anymore. It's desiccated and the bones are being ground into dust. There's nothing left of Star Trek to watch. We've seen one franchise after another go into the ditch and then all of a sudden here comes Top Gun Maverick. The idea here is you take the original Top Gun, you take the major characters from it, and you up and you bring them about 30 years into the future, which is essentially what happened. And now Maverick, who had been the star of the first movie because he was the hot shot, he was, he was the top gun of the top guns and everything. He was able to do impossible things with an airplane. He's dragged back, basically kicking and screaming in order to teach a new generation how to be top guns because the country needs people to step up and pull off superheroic feats in, in jet planes. And... It's basically, from that point, it's basically a rehash of the first movie. To be fair, to be totally honest, it's the first movie, but everybody's been aged up 40 years, and we've replaced the people we aged up with new guys, okay? And we, the first, first thing I saw was they had a female pilot, and I'm like, oh no, here we go again. But here's the thing, the female pilot doesn't go out of her way to show how awesome she is she wants to be one of the guys. She wants to carry her weight. She wants to prove herself out in the field. That's awesome. That's an excellent way to handle. And, and aside from that, nobody in the Top Gun program batted an eye at this. Nobody blinked. They're like, okay, if you're willing to carry the load, here's your share. Pick it up and carry it, carry it and follow us. And that's exactly what she did. This had this was a very impressive movie because the fact that it came out of nowhere could have landed with a big old plop if we had treated it like most of these uh, diversity hire creators do, the writers, the directors, the producers. It could have landed with a plop and instead it took off and soared. So I was very pleasantly surprised because I didn't even like the first movie. I like the I like Top Gun Maverick way 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 much better than i did top gun so so that was my number three for the year third best uh second best i would give to uh super mario brothers boy that was a shocker and a half that did that come out around uh was that the one that came out around memorial day i, I cannot remember 
Okay. We're both old and fuzzy now, so don't don't bear don't hold us to what we're saying. But Super Mario Brothers, he was went down that same dangerous road that Top Gun went down. Okay, when it came to female representation, because the thing is, Super Mario Brothers has always had this reputation that the princess, the girl they were trying to save, was just window dressing. She was the MacGuffin that caused the story to carry carry forward. She was the she was your target in the game. And in this one, they made her like hyper competent and she's totally able and everything. And Mario is a complete and utter goof because he's not the Mario you got you've been used to over the last oh golly, it's been another 40 years since Super Mario Brothers. But so so you got the super competent princess and you have the incompetent plumber, and yet it actually works because instead of rubbing Mario's nose and how bad he is, he rubs his own nose, and it's a very big nose, and how bad he is. And she's, at first she's trying to correct him and trying to show him what he's doing wrong and how to improve and everything, but he just keeps ramming face first into one wall after another until she just finally gets to the point where she can't even understand what in the world he's doing. His, Mario's big superpower is he's able to kill himself doing stupid things over and over again until he finally does it the right way. And then he gets it done one right once, and then he goes off on a new mission, kills himself over and over until he gets it right. <coughs> and the princess sitting there, watching all of this with the look of shock horror on her face, a lot like a, a lot of the audience was doing. But the character development was actually pretty elevated for, for this. I mean, this could have been a throwaway like the one they did back in the 90s, which this one still carries a torch for. Still like it. Honestly, do you like that one better than the... I have fun with it. You're the one. <laughs> John Lick was almost about as Italian as Sparrow. So, anyway, the, uh, or Red Baron Pizza. But, uh, I take that back. Red Baron Pizza is actually pretty good. We'll say school pizzas. That's how Italian John Leguizamo is. <laughs> and Bob Hoskins, for that matter. But anyway. So, anyway, that, that was actually one of those, that, another one of those that came out of left field and was much, much better than it should have been. And I'm sitting here talking because I knew that, what I had in first place, and it has just blown my mind. Wow. You know, I was. First I can't remember what my number one movie for this year was. It made such an impression on me. Really? I've been thinking about this for the last week because you've been telling me we've got this coming up. You've got to try to remember. Wow. You want to hold just, on that, or? I'm going to hold on to number one for a second. You go ahead and you, you get started on your parts because I will think about this right about the time you get nice and warmed up and I'll think about it. And I'll just shove you out of the way and take over like I always do. Okay, so should I start with the worst list? Let's start with the worst list because, boy, that was a, a long list. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was. Shoot me some of the worst ones and we'll discuss. We'll do an autopsy here. This will be the All autopsy right. part of it. Worst to the worst. Worst of the right. worst. This is the worst list of movies that came out. Some of it, some of you may disagree. I don't care. These I were don't, the, I, I do. I don't remember what number one was yet. But the uh, I do want to say 
we have seen an, an astonishing thing happen the past month or so of 2023, where it just seems like you were getting theatric, these huge theatrical releases that skunk up the joint, like the Marvels, and then the next one would come along and it was worse, and then the next one came along and it was worse. And it, it finally culminated with Aquaman 2, which I think got beaten by the Color Purple remake in its opening weekend. <sighs> Superhero movies aren't dead. They're, they haven't been made in the last five years, except for Guardians of the Galaxy, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, All right. Just throwing that out there. Mm. Number 15 of the worst oh, list. Oh, dear Lord. You've got 15 of these. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and skim through real quick. Oh my Good. goodness. Oh, what a what an abattoir of horrors. Adam's family Netflix movie Leo, which is about a lizard that thinks he's gonna die soon because he's at old age and he tries to break out of he's like the classroom pit and he goes on this big adventure, blah blah blah. Life lessons, blah, you know, all that bunch of horrible Nonsense. We already know. This is going to be curious. I'm, I'm going to be curious how many of these I've actually heard of because I've never heard of this one. And But because it's Netflix, I haven't subscribed to Netflix in like five years. Well, here we go. Here we go. I have 14 Evil Dead Rise. Ooh, yeah, that one. That one was sad. It was good, but also just like, huh, okay. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's one of those where somebody got the rights to do the Evil Dead and yes. it got made. Yeah. Yes. There's been a lot of that going around. Talk, talk to Kathleen Kennedy over at Star Wars on that one. No, we don't need to. No, we don't want to. <laughs> and number 13, another movie that, let me tell you this. Number 13, the trailer was better than the movie. As Exorcist Believer. Oh, uh, yeah. This is supposed to be the actual d sequel to the original Exorcist movie. It the, the trailer was really scary. And I was like, oh, man, I never felt this way before in the movie. And, uh, yeah, after watching it, it was like, well, okay. It's trailer-itis. Yeah. Uh, some movies do suffer from trailer-itis where you... You're trying to show a lot of the good stuff to attract people into watching the movie. Yeah. The problem is if you if you only have like sixty seconds worth of good stuff in your entire movie and you put it all in the trailer, there's no reason to see the movie. Thus trailerized. And it's and it bit them. Yeah. Number twelve. <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Oh boy. That was I will have to say of all the remit. Remakes I have seen, The Little Mermaid was halfway decent. But it lacked on character. And I was really hoping to have the big battle scene, like in the original, like, you mm -hmm. know, Ursula's like in the water and all the ships. And that fell flat horribly. I guess they didn't have enough budget. Well, you see, the thing is, Disney's already shown you can do naval. You can do water scenes yeah. in a movie quite well. Uh, you proved it in Avatar. You proved it in uh, all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. You can do good things in the water. 
But you have to have a vision. You have to be inspired. You have to want to impress your audience. If all you're doing is just rehashing something, but now they've got a permanent suntan, melanin plus The Little Mermaid is not such a a great shake. No, not not a good. One. Uh, number where was it? oh number eleven. Mm. Meg two. I missed that one, fortunately. Yeah, you didn't miss much. <laughs> Uh, Meg 2 was one of those that is like, well, even the first one was okay. It was a shark movie, you know. This one, you had a bunch of creatures in it that, there's plot holes. There's a bunch of plot holes in this movie that just I could not overlook. Like, for instance, at the beginning of the movie, it showed, like, back in, like, B.C., when the dinosaurs was roaming around, basically. Mm -hmm. That 16 years ago, yeah. Itty-bitty dinosaurs running around. That was the beginning of the movie. Skip years later, here they are stuck on an island. And those dinosaurs that was around back then are for some reason here. <laughs> they're, they're here chasing people. And they didn't explain that. And it's like... Because they're not water creatures, they're land creatures. <coughs> and it's like, why are these why are these itty bitty dinosaurs here? Like that made no sense. But you know, whatever. It was supposed to be a spectacle. It was ah, It was supposed to be a spectacle movie. It was supposed to be one of those big old old school blockbusters that were heavy on the special effects and real light on the plot. Yeah. But and when but when your special effects fail, you've got the plot to fall back on. They do, no. Cardinal sin. I told you, you got to. It's, it's important. <laughs> good storytelling requires good characters, good plot, good pacing, and and at least an ability to communicate those on the screen. Yeah. So. Hmm. Um, they number 10 is a newer movie that is on Netflix. This is bottom 10. It's it's a political movie oh. by the Obamas called <laughs> Leave the World Behind. Leave the, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about it, Fred. There's so many people online going like, oh my goodness, this could actually happen. Oh my goodness. this. Could, and I'm like, no, no, it couldn't. There's also a bunch of plot holes in this one, too, that made no sense at all. I'm not going to go into it. By the way, in case if I'm moving around a lot, I'm not feeling myself. I haven't felt myself in two weeks now. I mean, so he, he's getting better, though. I'm better. It's just, it's like, I'm like, yeah. So, you know, if I do that, sorry. He, he's thinking about Michelle Obama's getting him oh. hot and bothered. <laughs> All right, stop. Let's talk oh. about what was it? The end of the who's it's and the what's the world we left behind. The world we left behind. Okay. The reason this got made is because Barack Obama. That's it. That is it. Okay. This is Barack Obama's wet dream movie. He wants Barack Obama. I'm not going to get into what I think of Barack Obama. If you've been paid any attention to the channel at all, you know what I think about Barry Soretto. Okay. 
Now, Barry, and I've always called him Barry because, quite frankly, he doesn't deserve any more respect than a Barry. Barry and his, quote, wife, Michelle, his trophy wife, they got people to come up with this direct for them. Trust me, they had nothing to do with writing a script. They'll lay claim to it. He might have even sat there and scribbled in the margins here and there, but this is not his script. This is his hired help doing the script. His hired help developed the movie. His hired help talked Netflix into giving them billions to do this. And the only reason it's getting any play at all right now is because Barry Soretto still has a bunch of Barack Obama worshipers left. The BOWs, the B-O-Ws. The Barack Obama worshipers are out there and they are just salivating at this because they have nothing else to look forward to in 2024. So they're taking their wet dreams now while they can still get their dumps in. What he said. What I said. I do remember my number one, but we'll go over this after the, the bottom nine here. Uh, well, number nine, Napoleon. <laughs> Ridley Scott movie, supposed to be an epic film, was not that epic. I'm sorry. I know there's some that probably loved it, but it was really boring. Now, this is Ridley Scott, right? Yes. Okay. Ridley Scott's a good filmmaker. He's a good storyteller. Sometimes you just crap out. Okay. Every good yes. filmmaker has a crap movie that they regret later on down the road. Ask Steven Spielberg with 1941. Ask, uh, <laughs> ask Sam Raimi about Spider-Man 3. Everybody has that crap that they just come up and crap the bed. And this is Ridley Scott's crap project, Napoleon. It should have been low-hanging fruit, but he just missed completely and wound up in the ditch. And it happens. It's, I'm not a big Ridley Scott fan. I'm not really into his worldview or his way of telling stories, but I understand why he appeals. And honestly, I can respect that a little bit, but it, it's a don't tell a story that people can hear 50 times over on the History Channel, unless you've got a real good hook in how to tell it. The only the only thing Ridley Scott could have done worse with Napoleon is done it about Hitler instead. If he had done a biopic on Adolf Hitler, then actually it probably would have been a little more interesting. But then again, hit talk about History Channel doing something fifty times over. You're talking about History Channel doing something a million times over when you're talking about Adolf Hitler. That's what the H stands for. It's the Hitler channel. Ew. Well, that and That's Swamp bad. People. That's about it. <laughs> uh, number eight. Honestly, should have been at number two. But it, it just I, confuses you so much. No, just... I forgot that this movie existed, to be honest. <laughs> at number eight, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Oh, this was... I wanted to. No, I take that back. I didn't even want to like the movie. I could see that. I could see that wet fart coming from about a mile away. But I was trying to give it a chance because Ant Man, the first Ant Man, actually had a little bit of heart to it. It had a little bit of residual goodwill. But boy, that one just 
didn't even hit the ditch. That one went over the cliff and did a wild E. Coyote all the way to the bottom. That was, that was garbage. That and, was just plain garbage. And the worst part is you're sitting there and you're trying to throw all these foreign concepts into it. And, of course, you've got to do your messaging on top of that in order to get your film credits. Of course. And then and get your ESG scores up. And the result was just yes. not even hot mess. It was a tepid, <laughs> it was a tepid lukewarm mess that you can't yeah. quite scrape off of your shoe. Yes. But one of many, many fails from Disney this year. Yes. Another fail at number seven, The Flash. It tried. It was good to see Michael Keaton back. Mm -hmm. That was that was about the only thing it had going for it. Yeah. And again, I think the movie itself knew that. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only reason it actually got in the theaters was because of Michael Keaton. But it and and the way Michael Keaton, if they had treated Michael Keaton like the way they did in that character in Bruce Wayne Batman from '89. They had treated him like that in a good movie, people would have been furious. But the rest of the movie was so bad, right up to shoving a baby in a microwave. <laughs> yeah. Now we, we reviewed this earlier, and at first at first blush, we tried to give it the benefit of the doubt, but upon sitting here and thinking about it, the longer you think about it, the more you just want to blot it out of your memory. The, the special effects failures, ugh. and Flash has not been handled properly since they did the whole Flashpoint crap back around 2012, 2013, and, that, and I said it at the time, I'll say it now, that's how to define the character. Nobody understands the Flash. Nobody understands the principles behind it. Nobody understands the Flash legacy. Nobody understands the Flash family. Nobody cares about the Flash in Hollywood. So all the Flash fans of us who are left hanging around waiting for something good to come out of the Flash, we're just going to have to go back and watch old Justice League reruns, I guess, because Wally West was the closest they ever got to it. Mm. Well, I'm just, I'm just bringing you down, ain't I? Oh, no, I'm just... Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and it'd be hard I'm enough... Trying to... It'd be hard enough trying to get through this top 15 without, or bottom 15 without needing heavy drink to begin with, but you're, no, not, no, right. you're not feeling that it on so top true. of it. Just throw me the next one. What's, just All right, number six. Right here. Number six. Number six. I don't even know why I saw this movie. I knew it was going to be crap. <laughs> Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I have, it, yeah, I have it, not watched any of the Transformer movies. The only Transformer movie I ever saw was the one they did back in like 86, 87. The animated one with the real Optimus Prime where they came up with Rodimus Prime. And as far as I'm concerned, Transformers jumped the shark with Rodimus Prime. Once they offed Optimus Prime, spoiler alert. Once they offed Optimus Prime, <laughs> never went back. <laughs> and can't, and I can finally watch the... The, what they call G1, the original Transformers cartoon. And I can't do it because it's so stupid. <laughs> it is so mind-numbingly stupid. And just like G.I. Joe, they're both mind-numbingly stupid. That's Unlike true. Thundercats, which actually stood up pretty well to the test of time. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Number five, 
It's number five. Uh, Fast X. This is number nine, ten. No, there's another one coming out because this one continued. So it's, they're like making ten movies, but the this <coughs> was ten. You know what? I don't know. Don't care. I, listen, I I liked them all the way up to a certain point, and then this one, Fast X, it just had a really horrible, horrible, lazy, lazy. Is that the one where they were driving cars up the sides of buildings and stuff? Or am I thinking... That could be... Am I thinking Grand Theft Auto? (laughs) It's a possibility. It's Fast X. To me, I would say, compare and contrast Fast Fast and the Furious, which is what Fast X is the continuation of. Compare and contrast Fast and the Furious with Mission Impossible. See... Mission Impossible has been doing it right. Fast and the Furious, back in the ditch. Yeah. Number four. Oh, shit. (laughs) I'm going to have to leave that one out. Go ahead. Number four, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. I wanted to like that one so much because I I know. I love the first first one. I love the first movie. I wanted to like the second one. And then again, we had that. We had that afterglow when we reviewed it because we, we both said we kind of liked it. I think we gave it a three or something like that. But holy hop and Hannah, we, we it, does, like it. it does not stand up to repeated viewings. And honestly, I, I wouldn't say this is one of the top five worst movies of the year, but it definitely belongs on this list somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Um, number three, Barbie. <laughs> uh, now you're going to get letters you're going to get people cussing you listen, out you'll need, never get a date in 2024 I don't need a that. female to tell me that I'm bad because I'm a male <laughs> just shut up and we're just going to leave it at that that's what we got Star Wars for yeah we're just going to leave it at that <laughs> uh, number two okay listen after looking at this list I'm going to switch okay Okay. It's gonna switch. because honestly number one is actually better than the number two. Okay. So number two will be Blue Beetle. <sighs> if anything winds up killing off the superhero genre for this generation, it's not going to be Blue Beetle. It's going to be Marvel. It's going to kill it. But Blue mm. Beetle, Blue Beetle, pretty much ended the DC universe right there, and that was a resounding thud. This, I mean, I I gave up on it when I saw the. Uh, trailer for the first time, and you had uh, who's that more? George, George Lopez. George Lopez uh, calling Batman a fascist. Yeah, F- uh, I gave up on it from there. They have race lifted Blue Beetle so hard and tried to make him the the Hispanic hero, but it's written by a bunch of white people who don't understand Hispanic culture at all, and it tells because. Every Hispanic uh, stereotype is in there, from the from the cars with the spinning wheels and the mariachi bands and the beaded curtains and and the green, white, and orange and all the other crap that goes with it. This it, I, I honestly think that the people responsible for Blue Beetle think that's what 
goes gone down at the southern border. They really think that's what happened. They really think that's what life is like down along the Rio Grande. So at number one, although Blue Beetle was better than, than a lot of the movies on here, but at one. number one, yeah, is Indiana Jones and the Doll of Destiny. That one should not have been released. Honestly, that we're not just talking about killing a franchise. We are talking they about the character. We are talking about not just killing the franchise or killing the franchise character. We're talking about besmirching it. We're talking about taking its corpse and running it right across a, a cow pasture. We're talking about besmirching a beloved character. This honestly is borderline. If I'm one Shit. of, if I'm George Lucas, this is the one that makes me want to nail Disney for deliberately destroying his legacy. I would actually, I would have sued over this because, and the thing is, they did reshoot after rewrite after reshoot after rewrite after reshoot after rewrite, but it was the same brain dead token diversity hires doing it over and over and over again, and it never works. I think the, maybe the first 10 minutes of that movie was watchable. Everything after that, forget it. It was... Forget about it. If you wanted to kill a famous character off, you did it. You piece of crap. <laughs> that makes me mad, man. That, just, that made me so just angry. Re just remember, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is still out there waiting to hold you in That's true. warm embrace. I still got Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, no, I don't, because now it's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, so that's your worst, worst fifteen. You worst. got a top fifteen, or the good ones? The good ones. Should I go ahead and give my number one, yes. or should we hit across it? Because I figured, I, let yes. me have a look at yours. Yeah, we match. Go ahead. Let's start with your top top list. We agree on number one. Oh, okay. Well, I was we wondering about that. I don't know why in the world I couldn't think of the name of this movie because it's the most recent one. There's your hint. Huh. <laughs> go on. All right. <coughs> Shoot. At 15, and remembers, this is movies that I thought were the best, but we're starting with like number 15. It's like they're good, and then when you hit below 10, you're like, oh, these are really good. So, all right. Number 15, Five Nights at Freddy's. Based off the video game, it wasn't that bad. It, it was. It was for this generation what Goosebumps was for yours. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's, it's what a it's what the uh, Gen Z is going to see as horror jump scares. It's jump scare the movie is what I called it. Yes, back in the, when it came out. Um, still never saw it, and no desire to see it because I haven't played the game either. I don't care. I mean, that's not really. That's I'm not going to sit here and cuss anybody out for enjoying it like I would say Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. If you <sighs> like that movie. You and I are going to go in the back with a... Yeah. I'm going to have an iron pipe with me, but hey, I'm, I'm going to try to knock a little sense into you. But anyway, that's bad. It's bad. Number 14. Number 14, Asteroid City. This is the movie that I we got confused on. I was looking forward to this film. This is a film about, you know, it's... What is his name? I'm trying to remember the director's name. He, he does weird movies. <laughs> oh, that narrows it down. I can't remember his name. 
But you keep talking, I'll uh, look it up. Hold on. Anyway, it's basically uh, a very small town in the middle of the desert. Uh, they're celebrating an asteroid that hit that hit Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, yes. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. The characters are weird. The, it's very colorful. Um, but at the end, it's like I actually enjoyed it. It's it's not like man, this movie made me feel amazing, or this movie made me think, or anything like that. It was just like, huh. I was. It was, it was a good. Wild. It was a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Still never saw it, but yeah. All right, number thirteen, the last. Well, not last because they split this movie in two as well. Mm -hmm. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. That one didn't do well in the box office, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why. It didn't, but I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the action scenes. I and I actually. Enjoyed it, and it's been a while since I actually seen a Mission Impossible movie to where I was just like, "Wow!" I never really. Cool. I, I got. I liked the TV show, but I never really got into the movies. I finally watched the first movie a few months ago, and no desire to sit there and see a second one. Yeah. So I so, but uh, it's. I think that was the one that opened with. Uh, what was it my number two? Uh, that no, was it. Oh, it opened with my number three. It was the one that opened with. Uh, oh, for pity's sake! Now, my brain's not working. It's trying to make a note for myself what my number one was, but uh, it, Super Mario Brothers came in second. Top Gun Maverick. Oh. It opened off to Top Gun <laughs> Maverick and just got buried at the box office. It, yeah, it, it was going for the same audience. So, true. Or, or it opened with Super Mario. Fifty-three-year-old brain. I can't. It wasn't as bad as the reputation it's gotten when it, when it failed at the box office. Number 12. Okay. okay. I love, sometimes I love really goofy, stupid, stupid movies. Okay. So at number 12, it's Strays. It's basically, you got a raunchy bunch of talking dogs, mm -hmm. stray dogs. One of them gets mistreated by the human. The human loses the dog, and he's trying to make it back home. Runs into a bunch of other strays, and they teach him, you know, how to be a stray. Yada yada yada. How to butch up, basically. This yeah. is not a kid's film, of course, but it really it was funny. There's one scene in the movie, okay. I can't stop thinking about it because it was really hilarious. They decide to get revenge on the on that one dog's human by biting his balls off. So they get the human down, they're about to do it, and there's this great dane, I think. I think it's a great dane. Mm -hmm. And the guy's sitting there going like, ah, ah, and then all of a sudden you have these two paws that just come over the guy's shoulder and places it down. <laughs> Places it down on the shoulder, like, relax, just take it. <laughs> yeah. It was it was hilarious. But yeah. For people who like that kind of movie, that's the kind of movie those people will like. Yeah. yeah. If if you like raunchy 
foul mouth movies, then have at it. But it's not my cup of tea. I'll give you that. Mm. Not for me. Number 11, and mm. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this one. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppenheimer's is one of the biggest movies that came out. Good movie. But not denying it. Anyway. Yeah. Not denying it. But again, when it comes to best movies on my list, it's like I have this thing. Will I watch this movie one time in my life? Or will I watch this movie several times in my life? Oppenheimer is that one-time movie. I'm sorry. Not saying it's bad. Just, I don't want to sit down and watch it again. There are very, there are movies where people, and they do tend to be historical dramas, where people will watch it once. But it doesn't bear up to repeat viewings. Nobody's going to watch Schindler's List a second time. Yeah. Exactly, like okay. Schindler's List. Um, I don't care how much you like the History Channel. You're not going to watch Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Red- well, no, I can't say that for the Shawshank Redemption. But uh, Saving Private Ryan would be Saving one. Saving Private Ryan, yeah. Uh, there's one, and, and I really, really like the movie, but just cannot bring myself to watch it again. And that was uh, the first Evil Dead, actually. I, I like the movie, but I saw it once. I don't need to see it again. Army of Darkness, on the other hand, boy, I don't watch that on the movie. Yeah. I used to. Love, I haven't seen it in years. I need to sit down and watch it sometime. But but yeah, there's just some movies that you know it's good. Yeah, well, just like Evil Dead was a good movie. Oppenheimer was a good movie, and it, I'm not trying to compare Oppenheimer to the Evil Dead. I'm just saying the effect it has on you. I have not seen Oppenheimer. I will probably see it in like 20 years after everybody's forgotten about it because that's the way. That's the way I roll. Just like I didn't watch Seinfeld until like about 2010. I didn't watch uh, Scrubs until like 2015 or something. So yeah, there's a lot of those running around. I'll never watch Friends because screw Friends. <laughs> what else we got? I hate mail coming to you. I'll bring it. Number 10, another good movie. Ironically, David Schwimmer could not swim. Go ahead. Go ahead, just send that. I feel your hate. I feed on it. I'll hold, have a great day and hold okay. you down. I don't care. Okay. okay. Relax. Relax. It's the end of the year. It's almost over. I always said <laughs> it'll be never, over by the time I get this thing up. I always said I would never stoop <coughs> that low of yeah, you will. dark comedy like that. <coughs> oh, shoot, that was strong. Poofomania. Oh, I can get really, really dark. You no, 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 no. All I, right, number I, 10. I can get dark enough. I can make the dark night seem no. like, it's, like it's high on the contrast. No. What? Number 10. Number 10, another movie, really good. Martin Scorsese's Killer of the Flower Moon. Oh, brother. <laughs> you, have upset. you have such a hard on for this movie, and I don't know why. Anyway, I take that back. Okay, I don't like Martin Scorsese. Okay, okay. I'm not a Scorsese fan. Neither am I. I don't care about Martin Scorsese. You've got this hard on for this film. I don't know why. For the life of me, I cannot. You just said the title of it, and I cannot retain it ten seconds later. Of course, I couldn't remember what my favorite movie of the year was either, but for about 15 minutes. I thought it but, was a decent halfway good movie. I, I mean, the story is good. It's based off of a true story. And you know it's it's a good movie. I 
don't know what I mean. I don't. If you say so. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to argue with it. It's just you. Abs- you fell. In, it seemed like you fell in love with the movie, which I have nothing against. I mean, I've, I've had movies I fall in love with. I fell in love with uh, Top Gun Maverick, but for a little while, and then I got better. But <laughs> wow, letters. We wow. get letters. We get letters every day. Next. Okay. Number nine. Number nine. And this is where we start to get into good stuff. Okay. Really? Yes. Really in for truth? Yes. Number nine. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Number nine is The Haunted Mansion. Listen. Send letters in care of Christopher. Listen. You, you, you. 69, don't give an F one. You hush. You hush. Okay, listen. <laughs> this, the story of the Haunted Mansion. The, the, the cast of characters, the way it just drags you in. I had so much fun that I think I watched this movie a dozen times during Halloween. Even before Halloween. When this movie came out, I had no desire to watch it. Some friends of mine was like, hey, let's go watch the movie. It's like, all right, you know. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, Wow. There's an actual story here. Wow. This plot is really good. Wow. This is really fun. Wow. Like, it just kept wowing me. And and I say that because Owen Wilson is actually in the movie. Wow. So, no, I'll let you have your Owen Wilson. But, but anyway, it was a good movie. I can't want to mention, if you haven't seen it, don't, it's not the Eddie Murphy movie. Not that one. This is the brand new one that just came out. Okay. So. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Number eight. Still a Michael J. Fox story. I've been wanting to watch this movie, and, it, and I finally got the chance to sit down and watch it. I've... <laughs> The way they edited old footage, new footage, reenactments, all that stuff was amazing. Also, very heartbreaking because, I mean, you don't know, like, you know Michael J. Fox is, is, has a disability mm-hmm. and things like that, but like the first scene was he has somebody training him to take care of him. Mm-hmm. He's out on public street of New York, takes a couple of steps and falls down. Just face plant the concrete. And there's like a dozen people running over trying to help him up. And he makes a joke. And it's like, damn, man. Like it was really rough to watch, but also amazing to watch. So, where is this? Is this on one of the streaming services? Um, it is. I just can't remember which one. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it'd be a Netflix thing. I don't think it's on Netflix. Mm. I think it's like Apple or... I don't know. It um, might be an Apple one because they would, they would do something like that. Uh Okie dokie. There we go. I'll find out. It is. 
It is, where are you? It is, where is it? It's on Apple TV. All right. Okay. Yeah, it is a very touching movie about this man and the things he went through. And he got this, he was diagnosed with this at a very young age in his, when his career was like spiking. So he was also trying to hide it as he was going mm -hmm. along and everything. And it's just, it's really, really good. This is getting off the path, but we were talking about Scrubs a minute ago. One of the standout episodes of that show for me was when Michael J. Fox appeared, and he was a perfect doctor. And I mean, he had all the answers. He actually installed a toilet on the roof of the hospital because he didn't want to, he, he just wanted to get out of the hospital every once in a while. And then everybody found out, no, actually the janitor wanted to get out of the hospital every once in a while, so he installed it up there. And then, uh, but he was, he was perfect. He had, he had it all together and everything, but he also had crippling OCD. And so when JD, your main character is, catches him making a mistake, he's about to rub his nose in it when he sees that he's constantly washing his hands, trying to leave for the night, but he has to wash his hands so many times before he can leave. And then he witnesses him finally finish. And then he has to go turn off the light, turn the light off and on so many times. And if he doesn't do it perfectly right, he has to start back over at the sink and wash his hands again. And it takes him 15 minutes to finally leave the walk, the scrub room. And, but you can see Michael J. Fox letting some of his insecurity and some of his conditions slip through. And it really added a lot of gravitas to it and gave me a lot of respect for Michael J. Fox because Quite frankly, who, who has respect for family ties? And I remember Back to the Future, too. So, however, it, it, it's, it is a tragic story, but it's one, like you said, he, he face plants and then he makes a joke to get everybody to relax a little bit so that they're not making a fuss over him. I know that mindset. So, so I have not seen this because it would require an Apple TV subscription, which I'm not going to do, but... We'll need to talk about that sometime because there is a huge sea change about to hit in 2024 when it comes to streaming. We'll talk about that in 2024. Back to the list. Christopher, who we got next? All right. And number seven, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I, I actually do want to see this movie because what's the one? There is one word that will spoil this movie if you don't know what it's about. What is it, Chris? Dracula. It's a Dracula film. It's an awesome Dracula film, too, because it takes a little tiny part of the Dracula story that nobody talks about mm -hmm. and blows it up into a two-hour epic that just absolutely floors you. I do need to see this film at least once because it seems like it ought to be a, a hellacious amount of fun. Yeah, and, and it's not, it's like old-school horror, so it's not like, oh, there's, like, the, shine, the, the light shines on him and you're like, oh, you know, type of thing about it. So it's like classic old school universal horror, and it is beautiful. It is beautifully made. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It is just definitely one of the best movies <coughs> ever. Oh, excuse me. He's, <laughs> he's looking up to see where he can watch this at. Well, it's on Prime Video. But anyway, but yeah, it's one of those films that uh, 
Universal keeps talking about starting up a dark universe, like yeah, a monster universe. But they, they, their ideas was really horrible. They may have actually changed their mind by now. They, they, they have. But this, this would have been a good way to, to launch this. <coughs> if they could just match the effort. Because this was somebody who had a good idea and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell there was some passion involved in this one. Although it didn't do really do that well at the box office, I don't think. But hey, not not every not every good idea is going to be a guaranteed success. But give it another five or ten years, and it achieves cult status. You'll see. Yes. All right, number six, Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, that's where I put it. Number two. This it just seemed like a fun movie. It, it was, was a fun. Movie. It's a fun. It's an excuse to go get out of the house and eat some popcorn. Yes. So. It was. It was definitely hit every Nintendo nerd's dream, and was strong enough that it's carrying off talk about a Nintendo uh, animated universe. Go for it! And the uh, supposedly next one on the list is a Zelda movie. So it's about time. Question problem is nobody's been able to do it right, but this time Nintendo will have creative control. So or at least get some say in the creativity part of it. So it'll be interesting to see because Nintendo has really taken their storytelling skills and they've really held themselves up to a higher standard that way. And they they realize the importance of that and it pays off for them because there is nobody in the computer industry, not even Apple guys are as loyal to Apple as Nintendo fans are to Nintendo. Yes. I'm still a Nintendo guy to this day. I don't have a Switch, but and because I just don't have time to play video games anymore. Or the inclination, because I'm fat and old. What's next? All right, next is a movie that I know I keep talking about. Yes, you do. Listen. (laughs) Here we go. It was hard to put this movie on number five, but it had to be up there on the top five. Mm-hmm. Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. You said this was a good movie. It is so good. I'll, I'll believe you now that we're now that we don't have the constant harping about it like we did when it first came out. There was constant harping about it. And it, it, and it was just one of those things where it was supposed to be crap from the beginning because, quite frankly, look, sorry Dungeons & Dragons fans. You guys are fickle. Fickle. You are. You're fickle. Well, that's the thing. Even in the movie, they, they actually kind of make fun of the fans. And also, it is just, it's a fun ride. I don't know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. But I didn't need to to watch this movie. I had so much fun. Like, I can watch this movie a thousand times and never get bored with it. It surprised a lot of people who went and watched this movie and was like, this is really good. And if they don't make a sequel, there's something wrong with you. But it is amazing. They'll probably make a sequel and completely blow it. Yeah. And and the and the really hilarious part is Dungeons and Dragons is all is a game about storytelling. You sh- if you're gonna do Dungeons and Dragons, you better have an A game when it comes to storytelling. 
ask anybody who's tried to do to, who's tried to be a dungeon master for the first time. It ain't nearly as easy as you think it is, <laughs> especially if you're dumb enough to get hung up in the math on it. A piece of advice for Dungeons and Dragons would be dungeon masters: fix the story first, and then if you've got uh, I've already told my story of why I don't do Dungeons and Dragons anymore. But if you've got that one guy who, who dicks around with the, the math and stuff, just work around him and keep going with the story. <laughs> let him go off, separate him, get him off on his own, just let him roll his little die alt to his heart's content. You keep the rest of the group together and focused on the story, and the rolls will come, will come in time. Yes. Unsolicited advice. Always a specialty here on Geekin' Out. Number four, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Was that this year? Yes. That one was that was a good one, but I wouldn't place it in the top. Well, obviously I didn't place it in the top three because it's not my number one. It was it was not quite not nearly as good as the first, first one. Because of course, first one lightning strikes. It was good. And it's another one of those where people got their ideas on it, just crapped on it, didn't want to give it a give it a second thought, and there are still people screaming, Miles Morales is not Spider-Man. A is A, Spider-Man is Spider-Man, Miles Morales is Miles Morales. Get over it. Yeah. If you cannot leave your baggage about Miles Morales on the shelf, this movie will never appeal to you. But take the movie at face value and just go with it. And it can be fun, but it can also be a slog. Because yes. there are some parts that's just like, get on with it. It is cute to see all the different Spider-Men, though. That was awesome. Because they have something like, what, a couple hundred in this one? Oh, yeah, they had a lot. Especially in the chase scene where they're all get, tripping over each other trying to get to him. That's, that's hilarious. But, yeah. Spider-Man in the... I probably would have put that one as like my number four. Well, it isn't my number four. <laughs> this is number four. Yeah. But because of the animation of this, which makes it really good, uh, we wouldn't have this great animation for our number three pick, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. That one, that one really struck people hot and cold. You either liked the movie or you didn't. I love it. If you if you were of a mind that you would not like this movie, you would hate this movie. And it and it's another one of those we're seeing it. I'm not going to call them a toxic fandom. I'm just saying they're really opinionated, and their opinions have this outsized effect. And there was this there was this whisper campaign. This was not going to be any good. It was going to be woke. They race lifted April. It, the art looks like crap and all this other stuff. The art was actually the best part of it because it, it did show a unique take on it. And how in the world, was it Donatello, how he managed to keep those glasses on throughout? He would uh, not have been able to do that if it was live action, I'll say that. But but it was it was a fun movie. And it's one of those things... If you had told me back in 1985 that people would still be talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 40 years later, I would have laughed in your face. I, I honestly did not see that coming. 
because I was the one who was used to the original black and white comics and I didn't hold on to a single one of them. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Listen, I grew up with Ninja Turtles and I love this one. In fact, number four is my lucky number. Even though it's probably not lucky, but it's my lucky number. Why? Because there's four Ninja Turtles and there's four Ghostbusters. Two things I grew up on going like, yes. So, there is, there is one thing to say about this, though. There's a thing to be said about trinities. Three is usually just right, and four is a crowd. That's all I'll say. But, because for some reason, you can, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but storytellers tend to do better with three. The fourth, if you have a fourth, it's like he's a, like he's a sore thumb. He sticks out. He's an extra wheel. Yeah. And it's, that's just the way it rolls. But, I don't know. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they've managed to develop the characters of the four enough. I don't, I don't want to say stereotypes of the four, but they have differentiated themselves enough that it, it's managed to stick over the years. Hmm. It was really weird what they did with Splinter, but I wasn't so keen on that, but hey. Yeah. It was interesting to see all the villains wind up joining the turtles at the end, though. That was hilarious. Oh, that that subverted the heck out of the, the entire franchise right there. <laughs> I admit, I like that one. Right. Force them to come up with new ideas. Yeah. We got two more. Two more. Best movies of the year. Two best movies of the year, according to Christopher. And that number two. And one, according to me. Number two. And number two. Number two. The great send-off. To a great group of people that we didn't know we needed in our lives. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. It was alright. <coughs> it was alright. It was an okay movie. It was amazing. It the was a lot was... better than everything else Disney did in 2023. By far. It's well, not even close. But... True, but when you're when you're when you're bar has been set that low i mean let's face it after the last few marvel movies the bar was set way down yeah. here and guardians of the galaxy blessed their little hearts they took the rocket raccoon story and just went and jumped as high as they could anyway but you took these misfits and you made them likable people didn't want them at first but then then all of a sudden you're like hooked and to say goodbye to them in like this poetic way and the the the, the story the the this it just had everything it really needed and that's why it had to be my number two well, the nice thing we, we've never really gotten into that much detail of guardians of the galaxy these are characters who are not very well known, even in the comic. Even the Marvel fans don't really know, didn't really know these characters when the first movie came out. So they were basically all blank slates. You had this cool idea, this cool visual, and then you got to develop the characters as you go. And you had actually had some guys involved and in creative here who actually cared about these characters. They were invested in them, and they were able to develop them and actually make them relevant and people you cared about. So it, it's... To me, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was probably the weakest of the three movies, but like I said, compared to the rest of the Marvel output from the last two years, it's it's the best one they've done. 
in a long time. Next to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I would have put right up there with it, but Quisira Sura. And now it's time for the number one, which we actually agree on best movie of the year. Yes. And and not just geek movies, but I would consider this the best, the best, and yes, I'm talking about Oppenheimer too, the best movie of the year. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Tell him. Godzilla minus one. Hands down. Hands down. It's not even close. I mean, we, we actually put our fives together and gave it a ten because it's all in Japanese, so it's subtitled. You have to sit there and read the subtitles. But because it was subtitled, you had this economy of text because they're not going to be able to put up a, a big, long soliloquy like that, which is what most writers would do. It had to be like one or two lines. It had to be it just had to be done. So you compared what you were reading with the picture you were seeing on the screen, and you could still hear the emotion in the actors and actresses on the screen. The emotions carried across the language gap, and it really pulled it off. This is fantastic character development, fantastic storytelling, took the original Godzilla and actually improved upon it. Floored me. I mean... You want to take the original Godzilla, let's say there's three, okay? There's the original Godzilla, there's the Godzilla with Perry Mason in it, and then you got Godzilla minus one, okay? I would actually put Godzilla minus one at number one, far and away. Then uh, the original Godzilla, the Japanese language version, I would put it a close number two. And then uh, Raymond Burr's little thing that popularized Godzilla in the United States, Give it credit, it popularized it, but boy, that's a distant third. <clears throat> but boy, boy, oh boy, that now that's one I could watch over and over. That's one I need to own. I need to get that. I would. We said this at the time. This is the one you buy the Blu-ray player for. This is the one you get the 4K version of on hard on hard copy now because you don't want to buy it streaming because we've talked about you don't buy streaming. You never own streaming. Excuse me, but this is a keeper, absolutely the best movie. As far as I'm concerned, best movie of 2023, far and away. Mm. Good thoughts? <coughs> this movie was wow. <laughs> like, it had everything. It, the, the acting, the plot, there was just surprising moments. It was, it was pure perfect. Like perfect, I I got no words. It is that's the other thing. This movie this year, when words fail you because it's so good, that's good stuff. It's really good stuff. But man, that that is absolutely worth the price of admission and mm. worth watching over and over again. Done on the cheap either too. It was it only cost fifteen million dollars to make. They made that back in the Japanese market easy, and it's just become a global force and this this is the film they're talking about building the franchise around from now on they're gonna they're gonna start with Godzilla minus one and they're gonna add the next one I think adds King Kong and spoiler alert Mothra into the mix so that ought to be hilarious if if you can get the same creators and the same intensity that you got in this movie in the second one 
so be it. But I got the feeling that this this next one may wind up going more along like the streamline or the mainline stuff, which is good in its own way. If they can carry King Kong off, then so be it. But, but yeah, this absolutely best movie of the year, and hands down, it's not even close. Nobody comes close to this. No. Fantastic. Best storytelling I've seen, not just in 2023, but one of the best storytelling efforts I've seen in the last decade or so, hands down. So. Any final thoughts, Chris, before we close this? Because I believe we are over an hour into this. No, just I hope you guys uh, have a great New Year's. Have a happy 2024. Yes, I hope. Good riddance. For us. And good riddance 2023. Good hit. Yeah. But hopefully 2024 will be a little bit better because we've had the, before we go, we've had this discussion before about the diversity and stuff and gender identification and all this other stuff. And I told you years ago, this was a fad and it's going to pass. And you're like, I don't think so. We're finally, finally, finally starting to see signs of it passing. Maybe 2024 we'll be able to push all this out kind of like a, like a constipated fart. You can just push it all out and just move on. And we always have to go back to the sewer before we leave, which is fine because you like the turtles anyway. So, <laughs> so until next time, Spike, Chris, and y'all keep on geeking out. Bye. Bye.